Words matter. Words absolutely matter. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words, words matter. Many of us can think of a time when we were younger of a word that was spoken that pierced our hearts, that helped shape and influence some damage in our lives. But words can also be positive. Words can also speak life into our hearts. Words matter. And as we look at the first five books of scriptures, we come to Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy, one of the things that we see is that these words matter. And we're going to see God have his way through the children of Israel and through Moses as he gathers the nation together and he speaks words of life. And as we look at this, what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the outline of the, uh, of the book of Deuteronomy. Then we're going to go through some vocab together. Uh, and then as we go through the vocab, we're going to hone in on a couple of verses that Moses gives the nation of Israel and challenges them. And then we're going to look for Jesus. And we're going to see how Jesus shows up throughout Deuteronomy in a variety of ways. Are you ready? Are you ready? All right, let's jump in. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you and we need you. We thank you and praise you and ask, O Lord, that you would be exalted, that you would be lifted up. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is true, that we can trust it. Lord, it's been proven over and over again. We know that these are the words of God to us. And so, Lord, we receive that. Lord, we recognize that uh, you have been at work with humanity since the very beginning, but this is your story. And so, Lord, as we hone in on your story and your interaction with mankind and your interaction with the nation of Israel and your call to people to know you as the King of kings and Lord of lords, Lord, we pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand that we would receive you in a very real way. Lord, we, we want you, and we need you. So be exalted here today, and it's in Jesus Christ's precious and holy, holy, holy name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. After the children of Israel had wandered through the desert for 40 years, Moses is ready for them to graduate into the promised land. But before that happens, Moses gathers them. And he wants to tell them the story again. It's a story of their deliverance, and it's a story of their disobedience. And it's a story of God's word and God's call to the nation of Israel to be a nation that stands out different among the other nations. And he's going to remind them that they're going to fail. And, they're going to remind, and he's going to remind them of God's amazing grace and God's call for them to come back. It's an encouraging time, but also a challenging time, just before Moses dies and the nation of Israel goes into the promised land. This is the outline of Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Torah. We look at Moses' opening message, and it's the first 11 chapters. During this time, uh, Moses is going to remind them of Israel's rebellion of how they complained, of how they weren't obedient, of how they had to spend 40 years in the wilderness. He's going to remind them of that story, but he's also going to remind them that God is good. 
And the God is filled with grace. Right in the middle of that section, just after the Ten Commandments, is something called the Shema, the uh, prayer that Israel will do for, her, <laughs> for the rest of Israel's uh, existence. Continuing on, there's going to be a series of laws. These laws are civil and they're social, and these laws are specific to uh, Israel in those days. And we'll come back and talk about those in just a little bit. And then Moses is going to give a final message, and he's going to die at the end of Deuteronomy. But he reminds them, if they're obedient, if they listen, if they obey, there's blessings associated. If they, if they don't, there's exile. And again, he's going to remind them of God's goodness. And this is the outline of the book of Deuteronomy. So with that in mind, let's take some time and look at some vocabulary. You might be like, why are we doing vocabulary? Well, there's a reason that we're doing vocabulary. One, so that we're, we're saying the same things, we're understanding the same things, and uh, we're walking in the same trajectory. And so let's look at some vocab together. The first one, and by the way, I, I just want to uh, insert this piece. This is especially important because um, we want to see how Jesus shows up. And so some of this uh, is setting the stage for the Messiah that's coming. I said some of it. I really should have said all of it. <laughs> this is all pointing to Jesus. So be ready. Have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand as we jump in. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy means two laws. Two laws. The, uh, the Old Testament was written primarily in Hebrew, but then uh, in Alexandria, Egypt, they spoke Greek, and so they wanted to write it in Greek, and that's called the Septuagint. And that's where we get the word Deuteronomy. It's a Greek word, and it means two laws. It doesn't mean that there is uh, an opposing law. It just means that Moses is sharing it again. There are going to be some new information that comes up, but Moses is sharing the law again the second time. It's two laws. But then we get into words. I started with words matter. <laughs> they do matter. They, they matter for a variety of reasons, but one of the reasons, as I said, this was written in Greek called the Septuagint, and one of the first words that comes out is lagos, lagos. Uh, it's what Jesus is called in the New Testament. In fact, the, the Hebrew word for Deuteronomy, devarim, means words, words. That, that's what this is about. These are God's words given to us through Moses. Words. It's going to matter. Shema. Shema, like I said, right in the middle uh, of this first section is this message that's given to the nation of Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Elokeinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's an important message for a variety of reasons. One of the reasons that it matters, is that they need to be reminded that there is one God. In the community that grows up around them, that they are surrounded by, there are all these deity, that there's deity for, uh, uh, for uh, uh, the sun. There's deity for um, uh, sex. There's deity for a variety of things that that go on in everyday life. There's a deity for the dead. And God is saying, no, 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 wait. There is one God. 
And I'm God over all of that stuff. You don't have to go worship that God when the land is fertile. You don't have to go worship that God when someone dies. You don't have to go worship that God or do things this way. There is one God, and I am him. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's united. He's above all things. It's a good reminder. It's a reminder that will be a part of a prayer for centuries and centuries that go on today. A reminder that God is above all things. The Shema. And that gets us to the Ten Commandments. Now, one of the things that uh, I should tell you, and, and well, we might get into this a little bit, is that there's always this, this push of like what applies to us and what doesn't apply to us and how we pick that up. And, and Pastor Matt, he did a, a good job last time sharing that. We'll talk about it a little bit more. But I need to push pause for just a second and complain. Uh, so I'm going to do that. And so I'm gone for a week. I come back and there's no carpet in the building. Like, Pastor Matt, if I go over to Prior Lake and the carpet's there, so help me. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be very frustrated. Uh, actually, we're replacing carpet around here if you missed that. And uh, Kevin and his team are on top of it, doing a great job. But any opportunity I get to get a dig at Pastor Matt, I'm going to do it. So keep your eye on him when he's around. But I wanted to take a little bit of time and go through the Ten Commandments because sometimes uh, we miss it. Kids, just so you know, uh, this is, what we're going to do might seem a little silly, but we're all a little bit silly, okay? So adults, this is our opportunity to be kids again. Are you ready? You want to do this? Too bad. We're going to anyways. Um, get your hands ready because we're going to do it with our hands. We're going to paraphrase these. I'm going to help you to remember the Ten Commandments, okay? There is one God to worship. Put your finger up. One God. I remind you, there's one God. We worship this one God. How about two? You ready for two? Other hand. Bend. We shall not worship another God. We will not make carved idols. Do not worship idols. Got it? Two. Make sense? Okay. One. One God. We worship him. Two. We don't worship idols. Three. Looks like a W, doesn't it? Reminds us of our words. We will not take the name of the Lord uh, our God in vain. We will not take the name of the Lord our God in vain. It's words. You ready for four? Four is just like this. Kind of reminds us to stop, right? Guard the Sabbath. Honor the Sabbath. Make it holy. Stop. Stop. Got it? Three is what? Yeah. Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Four. Stop and honor the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Five. Honor your father and mother. Kind of, yes. Agree. Yes. Or else. Right? Anyways. Five. <laughs> Five. Honor your father and mother. Yeah, you betcha. Okay. <laughs> you ready for six? Uh, so these are hand gestures to help us remember things, okay? Some, some of you, you might feel like, oh, that's not really appropriate. I know. I told you it was childish. Okay. Six. You shall not murder. You shall not murder. All right? Seven. There are two people in a marriage, not five. Seven, do not commit adultery. Do not commit adultery. You got it? Okay. 
Let's go to eight. Eight. Shall not steal. In some countries, they'll cut off your thumbs if you steal, or they'll put you in jail. Do not steal. Okay? Number nine. Four is not five. Five is not four. Do not lie. Do not lie. Ten. Ten. Do not covet. Do not covet. Okay, so what was three? Specifically? Do not take the name of the Lord our God in vain. Okay, how about five? Honor your father and mother. Good. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, let's do that four. Yeah. Honor the Sabbath. Keep it holy, right? Uh, how about nine? Do not lie. Good job. You guys got it. Give yourselves a hand. Super proud of you. Now you can, you can teach people, and this would be fantastic. Go home and you'll, you'll never guess what Pastor Kenny taught us. <laughs> He's such a child. <laughs> yeah. Yep, it's true. Uh, okay. So the Ten Commandments, now these commandments were given to the nation of Israel, and we've incorporated them in a variety of ways even today. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the Mount Sinai Covenant. Like, understand that, uh, that these laws are given to Israel as they stand out and are different than the nations around them. God wants them to be a beacon so that the world can know that the God of Israel is the God over all. And that's going to matter in the New Testament when, uh, when other nations start receiving this God as their God. When they're grafted in and they, and they receive Jesus as their Savior. But sometimes we get a little caught up on those, on those laws. Keep in mind that's a specific time, a specific situation. Uh, understand that. Love. So uh, what does it mean to love? Well, love is certainly words, but it's also action-oriented. So uh, this action orientation of love is very important as we get to the passage we're going to read here in just a little bit. Death. Oftentimes when we talk about death, we just mean stop breathing. Like they're not breathing anymore. They're not alive anymore. Um, Biblically, it's used that way sometimes, but it's also used as a separation from God. So biblical death, a theological definition of it, is separated from God. That's why in the New Testament it says the wages of sin is death. It doesn't mean when you sin, you stop breathing. It means that we're separated from God. God is holy. God is good. When we sin, we are not walking with God. We are separated from him. That's death. Now there is an ultimate death. For those who choose to not follow God, there is an ultimate death. It's eternity away from God. It's a place we call hell. Jesus Jesus defines that place as a place of great weeping and gnashing of teeth. It sounds horrible. I don't want to be there. But that's ultimate death. And of course, if we're talking about death, then we want to talk about life. If death is separation from God, then life is being with God, engaged with God in a relationship with God life. Uh, These are terms or vocab that you want to be familiar with as you read Deuteronomy and as you understand how Jesus interacts in Deuteronomy. We'll get to that in a moment as well. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30. And we're going to look at verses 19 and 20. And again, 
Moses has gathered Israel, the nation of Israel, the people who were disobedient, who voted against going into the promised land, they have died. They've wandered for 40 years in the desert, and it's time to go into the promised land. Uh, Moses has uh, sinned and will not be going into the promised land. So he gives a challenge. And I, and I want to tell you that I, I, I believe that, at least in part, Moses' call here has been realized. And I'll show you right from the very beginning. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. It's interesting that Moses would say that, heaven and earth. And I would say that the world has been very cognizant of the nation of Israel and their movement throughout history. Why? Well, because of God. But I also think that Moses has drawn attention, and in a spiritual way, there is this God who certainly has his eyes on Israel, but as a world, we do too. And we're seeing, how is God at work in this nation? And how is, what is God doing in this nation? And how is God, this God calling us to him, even if we're not a part of that nation? Like That's been a part of world history, because the story is about God. Then Moses says, therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. There's a choice here. Choose life or choose death. Now, uh, again, This is to the nation of Israel way back when, Mount Sinai Covenant. But there are principles that sometimes we pull out, principles that do cross-pollinate, principles that are um, not dependent on culture. And we have to be careful when we do those sorts of things, okay? Just so we're on the same page. We have to be cautious and wise when we do that. But one of the things that we see is that we do have a choice. Will I choose to follow God or will I not follow God. It's my choice. I can choose to do that. And God is at work throughout history. God has a plan, and it's a good plan, and part of this is seeing Jesus in the midst of it. Because of time, I'm just going to highlight a few things here. We won't go to every chapter and verse, but uh, I want to highlight some stuff. Deuteronomy, the two laws. Well, Jesus says he came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. But then he also, in establishing the Lord's Supper, he says something really interesting. And what he says is, this is my blood, this is a new covenant. Suddenly, there is an extension beyond those immediately there. There is this extension to other people to engage in this, uh, in this God that, that maybe, maybe they didn't have access to quite as easily before. And Jesus is saying, this is my body, and it's broken. This is my blood, and it's given for the sins of the world. Deuteronomy means two laws, but we see Jesus in this new covenant come alive and reveals Deuteronomy in a a fresh way. And there are words. Jesus is the very word of God. That's how he's referred to in the book of John. He's the word of God, the logos of God. And it's more than just a word. 
It's a, um, it's a communication. It's something understandable. It's life-giving. It's the very words of God. And when we looked at scriptures and we read the scriptures and we understood the scriptures, uh, there was a tendency to worship the scriptures. And so God shows up in physical form and says, let me show you, let me model this for you. So that we're not just worshiping these words on pages, but we're being obedient to God through the words on pages. A little bit different idea altogether. And then we see Jesus in the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then it goes on to say how we should love the Lord our God. And Jesus models that love of God, that one God. And I, I like this illustration. Like, this is what makes sense in my head, so I hope it translates well to you. Uh, if it doesn't, I apologize. That's all I got. All right. So uh, here's the deal. My kids, uh, when I come home, they can choose to take the trash out. They're going to take the trash out. They can choose how that goes. They could say, oh, I'm going to take the trash out because if I don't, then dad's going to be mad. He's going to be frustrated with me. It's way better to just take the trash out. So maybe dad will not be upset. Maybe dad won't be frustrated. I don't want dad to be mad at me, so I'm just going to take the trash out. They could do it that way. That's one way to do it. Or they could do it another way. And they could say, you know what? I want to take the trash out. Like, this is going to help dad. This is going to be good for our relationship. I love my dad. And taking the trash out isn't even that hard. Uh, they could do that. Do you see the two differences? And sometimes we do this with God. Oh, I don't even know if God wants me to be happy. I don't know that God loves me. I don't know that he cares for me. Maybe if I just work hard enough, then, then God will, will be interested in me. Maybe God will show some affection to me. Maybe I can earn it. Like that's, that's one way to do it. Uh, but it's not the right way. And it's not what God is is wanting from us but there's this other way of god you died on the cross for my sins you love me god you were willing to give me life you love me and i want to be obedient to you i love you and jesus says that they'll know you're my disciples by your love and so i want to i want to love because you love me there's the choice and then we get into those commandments jesus took those commandments and narrowed them down to two love god Love your neighbor. There you go. Love God, love your neighbor. How can we see that we love God? Well, because you love your neighbor. Uh, like, it, it's that connected. But there's an emphasis on loving God. Jesus showed that, modeled that. And then what love is. It's not just words. It's not just words that we speak, but it's the action. It's living it out. Without that love, there is death. Separation from God. But with Christ, there's life. And this life can only be found in Jesus. Deuteronomy is an incredible book that tells a story of a nation who's taken out of slavery and into the promised land, and we still see the effects of that even today in some amazing, miraculous ways. But God's also dealing with us individually and corporately, and specifically through his son, Jesus. And so the question for us today, even as the worship team comes, is what are we going to do? How are we going to uh, be obedient? How are we going to engage Christ in our lives? 
we surrender to him as our Savior, and we we be obedient to him as our Lord? And those are the questions that we have. And I I just want to give you a moment quietly right where you are to to just even ask of God, God, what do you want to do right now? What do you want to do in my heart, in my life? I want to love you because you loved me. I don't want to try to uh, uh, somehow earn your love. I don't want to somehow like work-based salvation. It's just not even biblical. But I I want to love you better. Lord, would you just show me what that looks like? I want to give you just a moment quietly before the Lord right now to do just that. Spend a moment quietly before the Lord. then as the worship team comes, um, we'll be preparing for the offering. And the offering we're doing a little bit differently. We'll be passing, uh, passing those red buckets around, uh, just so you're aware of that. But he- here are two things I want to ask of you as the offering comes. Here's the first one. Would you pray for us as a church? And just even, even pause where you're at and pray that, that, that we would be good stewards of what God has given that it would be about furthering God's kingdom and not our own. And then secondly, would you just in a symbolic way say, Lord, I'm offering myself to you once more. I'm giving myself to you again as the offering comes. Let me pray. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are good. Lord, we thank you that you, you have a plan, and you've been weaving it throughout history revealing yourself, revealing yourself through a nation, Israel, and then calling us to yourself. Lord, we receive you again, and and we want to follow you and be obedient to you again. And even, Lord, as the ushers come and as we give today, we ask that you would help us to be wise stewards of that which you've given us. And then also, Lord, we are just symbolically putting ourselves in this offering to you again for your glory. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.